0: Howdy, hobos. Or maybe I should say, good day, because this episode of the virtual campfire is coming to you from down under, or at least half of it is. So serve yourself up a big helping of beans from the pot, pull up a seat, and take it all in. Your travel-weary legs could use the rest, so take a load off, friends. My name is Mark. I'll be your camp host. Welcome to Hobo Safe Camp. So I've already let the proverbial cat out of the proverbial bag and told you that our guest today is from Australia. Uh, Today we're joined by my friend Shell. Shell's been a guest on the virtual campfire before, so do yourself a favor and check out episode 25 after you finish listening to this. Uh, The easiest way to do that is to go to www.openlinesradio.com and click on the virtual campfire on the right side of the screen. That will take you right to the SoundCloud virtual campfire playlist. Then just click episode 25 And voila, you're there. You're listening. And while you're at it, um, you can also listen to her on another um, podcast, Open Lines with Holly and Mark. She was a guest on June 3rd, 2018. So go listen to that, too. Uh, Just do the same thing. Go to www.openlinesradio.com. Click on the Open Lines with Holly and Mark link on the right side of the screen. And then choose the June 3rd, 2018 episode. It's so easy. You should be doing this all day, every day. I don't know why you're not. And be sure to follow Shell on Instagram. She's at Shell and Moo. Go give her a follow, and uh, I really like the stuff she posts. It's, uh, it really gives you a, a unique insight into um, her life. Um, Shell's going to talk to us about how she got involved in dairy farming and the difficulties of surviving with the changing landscape of the world we live in. Um, it's a fascinating insight into life on a farm and how globally farmers are fighting to make ends meet. And how They keep pushing forward because the love of the lifestyle is ingrained in their DNA. But before I get started, I just want to take a minute to say thank you to everyone who listens to The Virtual Campfire, and to all the other Open Lines radio podcasts as well. Uh, You can listen to every episode of every Open Lines radio podcast on pretty much any podcast app. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, but my favorite place to listen is SoundCloud just because it's easier to navigate directly to my favorite shows. But the other day, I just hit play on the most recent posting and let it play through in order, going back in time. And the conversation that took place in reverse chronological order blew me away. (laughs) Open Lines Radio is the greatest thing on any media platform right now. If you're spending time binge-watching television shows or listening to celebrity podcasts that interrupt the conversation every 10 minutes to try to sell you something, you're and and you're missing out. You should be listening to Open Lines Radio. And don't just listen to an Open Lines Radio podcast and then move on with your life. Listen to it in relation to the entire conversation taking place. Turn it on and just let it play in the background. Immerse yourself in the conversation. And then join us, please. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation in whatever capacity you feel comfortable, please uh, follow open lines radio on Instagram at Open Lines Radio and send a DM. That's the first step. And while you're there on Instagram, you might as well follow me, Mark, at tincan.telephone. And also follow at HoboSafeCamp. That way you'll always know when the fire is stoked and the food is cooking and good friends are about to teach us about life. So let's get right to it. Friends, I hope you know that you are all beautiful radiant beings. You being here right now listening is the whole reason for this transmission. So pick up your end of the cosmic tin can telephone that stretches around the globe, connecting all of us to a single vibrating string. Put it up to your ear and be here. Shell, ramble on. I'm just a rambling hobo I ramble all along
1: I'm just a rambling hobo, I ramble all alone, ain't got no one to love me, no place to call my home. Oh gosh, that's all I think about at the moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking earlier, I was driving around today and I was thinking that I never even really heard the story of how you came into doing that. Didn't you? Maybe you told me, and I'm just—I have a stoner's mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I but like, I currently can't remember what it was. But I was—I'm wondering how, like, how, how do you become a dairy farmer? How how did, how did that start?
1: Well, I was um, going—I had moved from Alice Springs in the Central Australia
0: to Cairns,
1: and I was—I'm an aged care nurse by trade, but I was working in. The Novotel hotels in Cairns.
0: And how old were you when you when was this? Oh, I was thirty. Thirty.
1: Okay. Thirty-two something, and probably not probably thirty. And I went out for the night with my neighbour, this young gentleman, and we were playing pool and drinking beers. And this good-looking man walked in, and we sort we of were making fun of him, and we thought he was he was a bricklayer because he had the guns. I just. <laughs> He was He came and played pool with us, and that was Michael, and he was a dairy farmer. So I pretty much moved up the tablelands near his farm, and uh, I worked. I went back to nursing, and then I just started milking around town and milking for him and on his home, on his parents' farm. And we, the parents actually were quite elderly, and they were selling, um, they wanted to give up when we had deregulation in the dairy industry and Michael and I put through, we wanted to buy it. We were doing well at that stage and we offered $1.5 million and they didn't want to take it because they didn't want Michael to stay in the industry and they sold the farm for 1.2. Oh. And And for our separation payment, we got 10 cows. Some of the top progeny and some of the show cows that Michael wanted and um, so we just we went and worked for other people's farms and when I got, I got unwell and I had to go back to Brisbane for a bower section and there was a big cyclone that came through so we moved the cows off the tablelands and brought them down to South East Queensland where we were living and I, Michael and I's plan was that I would make cheeses and yoghurt. Um, so we started up our own business and bread cows and did our things and um, made cheese and then Michael became quite depressed after had a bit of a breakdown after they'd sold the farm. So he went back up to Cairns and I kept the business going and kept the cows and kept going. So
0: if he never came back?
1: He never came back. We don't speak much anymore. Probably, probably been 15 years since we spoke. Oh, really? But, you uh, he know, he does check up on me. I, I find out things a little – we don't speak. I, I messaged him. I rang him and spoke to him when my kids were born, and I said that I had a kid, and he was okay, and that was it. He's just left it up to me, and it was a pretty stupid thing to do, I suppose, in hindsight, but I had, I had no experience in the cattle or – a nurse, like I was, like, oh my god, who would leave me with all the cows?
0: Like, <laughs> when they gave you, when they gave you ten cows, and you were still nursing, then, or you're working for their people, what did what did you do with them? Did they get? Did you, they let you leave them on the farm, or did you have to like? Were they in your in your backyard?
1: No, we adjusted them out to other people's dairies, and the other dairies took the milk, um and we moved them down. We've been on adjustment down here, and. Usually I stay at I get large adjustment like a hundred acres or something and then if I can live on farm we lived on farm at Farmview for many years and um and then it sold and I had to move out to where I am now. Um yeah, so I just have a mini milker now. I have a dairy at like a a dairy plant at my parents' house, but they're about a hundred K's away from where I live now. So That's not in use but I just have a mini milking pump or I milk them by hand and so I haven't made cheese for a year or so um, since I've been out here because I'm pretty much working a lot and so I've just been breeding cattle and um, no cheese just making babies
0: huh well I guess you know you gotta you gotta do what keeps you alive (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know As it and I, I get a bit tied up sometimes and and I when I make the cheese I sort of I can't really be working off farm like because I take six hours to make a cheddar or um, so you sort of milk and then you pasteurize on the second day and um, so yeah I haven't had a lot of time. So I'm eventually getting back there I've got a new place to go to when it rains and that's a much better viable proposition that I'll be able to get back to the cheese and people still chasing me for it. Like, where is it? Why are they (laughs) not going? Well, busy busy lady, two kids at school, single mom.
0: um, and, And this drought that's going on there. How, how is that affecting? Like, People don't. I don't think people understand like the real world way that that drought affects people. How is that? What What is the direct impact you're seeing from the drought?
1: Well, Australia is a pretty arid country anyway, but we have these really beautiful pockets of agricultural land and grazing land, and and then close to the coast is more um, high rainfall and things like that. So we have some beautiful areas. But we haven't, we haven't had the rain. Some people haven't had, some parts of Australia haven't had rain for six or seven years. Um, we're going on a good over 12 months without any good rain. So your your feed quality starts to drop, and then you lose surface water of dams and things like that, and so you have to fence off dams so they can't get in, and then there is no feed on the ground, so you end up totally hand feeding them, hay and grain and Supplements every day, and that becomes a a day in day out thing. They they drink a lot. Um, they can drink 120 liters a day, so they uh-huh. they need a little, a water, a lot of feed to sort of maintain their bodies and their growth and their carving and lactation and things like that.
0: And that becomes and another expense off. on top of it, because
1: huge. And then because the whole of Australia now is. In some really, really serious trouble. If we don't get rain, we're, we're, we're all pretty much done for because at the moment they can't grow enough food anywhere to supply what the industries need. And then there is nothing available. And then you put the price up, say so something that used to be $200 a ton is now $800 a ton and you're ending up buying water and you're, the vet bills get higher, and they start getting sick, and um, and just because there's no rain and there's no fresh feed, they end up being on a, a dry matter diet, and so you're sort of always watching their nutrition and t- tinkering a bit with it, and making sure that they're okay and they're still able to manage their own bodies. And a lot of people have had to destock altogether, and just no water, no feed, can't get any, can't afford it. Um, I've only got, bless their little hearts, 19 now. Um, I had 24 when I moved out and I've lost five over the last month. Um, And I've got two that are getting lame in the back legs and I'm lifting them up each day. So, but they're still, once they're not unwell, they're just weak in the back hindquarters and
0: so truffle You're, and lily, you, you don't just look at. To you, they're not just like these things that make you money. Like you, you, you love your. They
1: don't really money. <laughs> mm. They, well, most of them, well, all of the ones I have now, um, I bred their mothers. I, I'm there when they carve. They're, I'm the first thing they see. Um, when I'm with the kids you have this baby calf and then she grows up and, and she has a calf of her own and then she trusts you and they're a very smart animal like they, I think they have a second largest brain under a whale or a dolphin or like they're, they're very smart, you can teach them things and they come to their own names and um, they have a number in their ear but they're, they all are named so right. it's so they, they're very smart like a dog like if you're I I teach them to lift their feet up like a horse. Like you have to, you have to be handled, and the more you handle them, the better behaved they are, the more gentle they are with you. They can still rodeo it out if they want to, and throw you to. If they wanted to, they could throw you to the ground at any stage. They're eight, nine hundred kilos. But um, if you be kind to them and they trust you, and you help them, and they know that you're the feed wagon, then you just have this trust and this love and so it's a bit heartbreaking when something happens to one of them and and when you have to see them every day and you, you rely on how well they are to how they facilitate their what they do. Um, I don't like to have to sell cattle a lot I like just to breed on my own farm and I'll I'll bring in different semen or I'll bring in a different bull so I don't cross pedigrees and things like that. And it's just having – it's a its a hope of a future of, like, oh, I can't wait till that calf that's six weeks old has her baby and her grandmother's here and her auntie's here and her – it's just a, a hope for the future and a, a fun remember of the past and good memories and funny times. Like, we have some laughs together. And I bet. <laughs> Crazy stuff goes on, and they love the kids, and so it's um it's a big job, but we love it. It's um it's definitely a lifestyle that you get used to. You've got this freedom, and you you go by the weather, and you go. It's not always good weather, but you're outside. You you see the wind blow, and the trees are up, and you're up before dawn, and usually back in the house after dark, and. You see sunrises and sunsets, and you sit in the paddock and have a bit of a sleep sometimes with them, and they'll all sit down around you, and
0: yeah, it's um, you're it's a You're actually out in the world. You're not.
1: I'm it, out in it, the world. You're yeah, not inside a box. No, no, no. We don't we don't house our cows inside. They're um, they're totally pasture grazed, and um, yeah, they have a big paddock, and yeah, they. They like to swim and they do things and wallow and stuff and yeah no it's yeah it's good I like it the kids like it
0: that's you you know going going is that did was it something that when you first started doing it that was it something you had to like learn to love or was, was it something that just clicked like this is what
1: well I, if I suppose I'm a I'm a bit of a nurturer anyway I like in the nursing and the hotels I, I like to care for people I like to I like to be doing something for someone else, I, I like to be kind to things and, and I've always had pets and dogs and cats growing up as a kid and sort of, if I could have been a vet, if I was smart enough and had the dedication to go to university for six years, I would have loved that but that's a bit far-fetched for me, like I didn't even want to do like high-grade nursing like my um, registered nursing or anything, I was like, ah, oh, six years of study, like you know, I'm late, don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, Michael, it was his uh his we'll say misfortune because as soon as I realised that you could stay at home, be around animals, treat them kindly, and you could have half the day off, like you only had to be there morning and afternoon and just do some paddock work and some farm work. Once it runs smoothly, you could take your dog to work. I'm like, oh, I love this. So yeah, and then I. When I did my diploma of agriculture and things like that, I had a lot of already prerequisite study skills that from my other careers. That nursing, elderly people, or in the hospitals or nursing homes are—it's pretty much the same thing as do, dealing with animals, except they're vegetarians and they're not people. They're not gonna. Um, but they all have feelings, and so it's just a, a really large. Happy home and nursing environment. If someone gets sick, um, it's just nutrition, and so I loved it.
0: Like I just, I love. Probably it. all have like bad days and good days too, huh? You do. Yeah. Day?
1: Yeah. There's something new every day, and it's a it's a big routine, but it's something that always gets thrown in the works to say, "Oh, try a bit harder." Let's change this, or you got to be a little bit resilient, and um, it's definitely hard to. In, in a massive drought that gets you down a bit and um, you think how am i going to keep going how am i going to keep them alive how am i going to they need something else that i can't obtain or so you, you just keep doing the best you can and keep them in the best condition that they can be and hope it rains hope it rains yeah. so
0: yeah we're it not sounds a lot like it, a, it sounds a, it is like a lot like a caregiver role
1: it is it is a caregiver role and and, and that's all I do. Like, they look to me like, I need this. I'm hungry. I'm having a baby. Do something. Like, so <laughs> right. they, they expect you to do something. Like, you see this thing kicking in my stomach? It's hurting me. I said, I know. Like, so you rub her tummy. Like, it's okay. And then when you when she has the calf, she's got a bit stuck and you, you help her out so she doesn't have to have a bit of distress. And that calf already remembers your name. No, like, it already remembers your voice from when you've patted it on the inside. So it's not really frightened of you when it comes out. And if it's mum's not frightened of you, it's won't run away. It'll Oh, look at you, you're all right. I remember you, like <laughs> they're, they're really you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What's the transition to that? What were you doing before you got into nursing? What what were you doing before that? So you kinda of went from, from human to animals. What were you doing before humans?
1: <laughs> my mum my mum and dad own a landscaping supplies business.
0: Like Uh, soils and
1: mulches and timber equipment and we make steel gates and so I worked for them for a number of years Um, and then I probably did four years of nursing training and then my brother was out in Alice Springs so I suppose I started started working for mum and dad when I left high school and I went to business college and did a travel and tourism degree and then didn't decided I didn't want to do that when my grandparents died, and I wanted to go into nursing so that I so that I could nurse my own grandparents at home, um, and I, and I got to do that with both my grandmothers, and I was very lucky to be able to do that for them, um, and I'll do it for my own parents. I just love that elderly. Always had my grandparents at home growing up. Um, we all lived together. Like there was three separate dwellings on my parents' place, and um, so I grew up with them being a really important part of my life, so when they get really old, it was nice to be the last one to help them and say, um, yeah, so I just went into that transition, the hotels was a bit different, you sort of you're on you're on call and you're sort of oh you're on call at nursing but you're on call at the hotel and, and they're they're paying for a service so you yeah, want that the, service
0: the, the people but the people they're, it's not the same as helping somebody who not, needs it's help not.
1: They, yeah they want it they want their new pillow fluff my pillow like <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do it I love I still love to do it I love if they've paid money to to stay there I'm like absolutely you're gonna leave leave loving this place you know right. and. And that's what you want to do. You want someone to enjoy their time and have a a good rapport of where they've been and um, yeah.
0: You you said you said you were lazy, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think you love you love working.
1: Lazy. I love I love to work with the cows, and I love I still do I still do some home care. Uh, There's a elderly lady next door, Ethel. She's ninety eight and um, I still do some care for her the kids and I go and stay with her for a couple of weeks at a time and it's just awesome. Like the history, I love history and I love, I love all the stories that when she was a little girl and, you know, um, things like that, that those, those stories will be lost if you, if you don't record them and, and hear about them how it used to be done. Right. Um, so, yeah, I... I definitely miss nursing, but I, I hadn't been well enough to do 12 hour shifts, um, on my feet. So, and with the kids, I couldn't do shift work anymore. So, um, we're just in a little rural town now and they go to a little local school with 50 kids and they do really well. And you have a a real, a more community sort of a farming based town, I suppose, um, so yeah, we, you sort of all, you help out if you can and you give advice if you can and when you're stumped, you're stumped and no one can work out what's happening but they'll, most people always step in and lend a hand and give you a bit of advice and, and I think they think I'm pretty funny because some people go against me and think, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, little girls like you shouldn't have cattle, I'm like, oh, it's a bit late now, sorry, thanks for telling me. <laughs> but, but then, when they see what I do on my own with two little boys, and they think, Yeah, give her a go. Like she's stuck to it and um, they'll help out. Just, it's just being kind and helping out when you can, or someone will lend me a tractor, or someone will help me organize some feed. And so, yeah, the people that I work for at the, at the big dairy have been helping their daughter do some managing over there and so we're milking 200 cows a day and they have six staff things like that so that running really smoothly over there and they're great people and but they also supply hay so I can buy off them I can I've got awesome vets that always step up and go above and beyond for me and because they know that I love them and I, I will whatever it takes I will you help her like I'll pay whatever it because you help her, don't let her die. So, yeah, you just, they do die, but um, you just keep going, hope for a better day, and tomorrow's a new day, and get up again, do it again, whatever they need. To, they're trapped in a paddock, so you, even though it's a large paddock, they still rely on you if they don't have what they need in that paddock. They still look forward to seeing me every day, and... Screaming and moving. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> Do they each have different voices? Can you can you tell the yeah, difference by, just by different hearing? Voice.
1: Yep. Some of them don't have. Some of them are really loud or really deep, and then some of them are barely audible. Like it's like a oh, like a, not even a noise. Like they just open their mouth and air comes out. They've all got a different voice, um, <laughs> and then you know they're in distress. Like. If it's more high pitched, or they're like, you're not looking at me, like, yeah, okay.
0: They're like so they, no, they are ed- like children. Um, they, they are
1: like children. Or they're like, they're just heard. like
0: people. I shouldn't even say children. They're like people. All people. Are.
1: Well, just like people. Just like people, except they can't talk back. <laughs> they they tell me things in different ways, and I still talk to them, and they they understand, but they can't speak back.
0: Yeah. So yeah. you have to learn their language a to understand. You have what to their learn names. their.
1: Language. Yeah, but they've helped me out a few times, like, I remember the the cat died once, Dingo's got him, mm-hmm. and um, I searched for him for eight days, and I just couldn't let it go, like, I knew he'd be gone, but trying to find him, and I broke down one day in the paddock, and I said, oh my God, someone tell me where the cat is, like, really, where's the cat, and I just walked away from them, and then that afternoon, I noticed that. Two of them were standing at this tree that I'd looked for. I'd looked past that tree ten times, looked up at everything, and they just wouldn't walk away from this tree. And I went back down had a look. There he was. He was stuck up in the fork of the tree. He, he was long gone, but they knew he was there. Yeah. So they're, they're very smart. And I don't know. They probably think I'm the dumbest, but they think I'm pretty smart because I can get through the electric fence without getting zapped. <laughs> And I can open a gate. So they look at me like, oh, yeah.
0: What?
1: <laughs> yeah, like, magic powers. Come, yeah, look at her. She's magic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you also show up with their food.
1: I do. Like on the feed wagon, the milky machine, like, give them a bit of loving, Like, like yeah, it's all me.
0: It's all me. But I, I, we, I spent a couple of days with you. Um and i just just—it's been a what? How long was that? Maybe two years ago? Maybe not quite two years. But, happy things. Man, the time just goes by so fast. But people are—it's this. There's a phenomenon around you where people are drawn to you. Oh,
1: and God, and every
0: see. every store we walked into, every restaurant we went into, everywhere we went, people. Remember when we went to the the oceanside pier and. That guy was yeah. letting you fish with his fishing pole.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> it came up on my Instagram memories the other day, and I sent it to Holly. Like, look at my fishies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have. They all say that at work. Like, what do these people flock to you for? I, said, I don't know. I think it's my, it's my hair, but I stand out a little bit. But,
0: <laughs> but I, it's it's no different with animals. Look, it's no different with animals. No, it's not. It's not.
1: And and a lot of people, you go somewhere and the dog hates everyone, and then it'll come over to me like, and someone will say, that dog hates everyone. I'm like, he likes me. Like they, they just have this sixth sense, I think, that, I don't know, I give off this vibe of empathetic vibe, I don't know. But then I still get the crazy ones. Like if there's still a crazy person, they're drawn to me as well. Like if someone's got some major mental issues or they need a bit of help in their life, Somehow they find me, make friends with me, get the benefit off me, and yeah, like I'm like, oh god, how did I, how did they find me?
0: <laughs> well, it makes sense. It makes sense because everybody's drawn to you, and so there, there are pe- the people that aren't strong enough to understand boundaries or, or put up, ba- you know, just de- normal boundaries of decency. They're, they're still drawn to you.
1: I, I think so, but then I, I still have. I still have hard times on my own. I just don't. I still get down, and I still. I don't have that support network that I could rely on. Someone
0: definitely over here, but. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem when you're you're the the caregiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they
1: don't think is she okay? Like.
0: Yeah, exactly. You
1: know, I just do the best for everybody that I can, and always be kind and help someone if you can, mum and dad always taught me that giving the shirt off your back, like help anyone if they ask you for help, never turn someone down, like you're never alone, please come to me if you if you need help um, I, I would never leave you, like I would never turn you down, I would always do the right thing that's best for them, it's not always the best for me but as long as they turn out okay and everything is resolved I I feel good about doing it um, and then I have to sort of set a little, few more boundaries and say, okay, well, you're alright now. I can't, I, I can't sort of deal with everybody's problems all at once. Um, but I, I still don't stop doing it. I, I just, I just like to help people, and I like, I like to meet new people and experience life and have a good time and enjoy yourself, but. I picked the wrong people, as you know. I have a really bad track record. I can pick them for sure. But I don't regret anything. Like it it just brings
0: funny memories. Well I think your I think your biggest problem with finding the right partner is there's just there aren't a lot of men in this world I think that could keep up with you. Oh I know,
1: (laughs) I insist that People, I know that I have found a gentleman. Actually, Mark, I don't know if Holly told you, but um, she has not. Really, I did find a a gentleman in June. His name is William, Billy, but um, I
0: I see his pictures on your Instagram, but I was unsure of the relationship.
1: Well, Billy and I are—we are, I suppose, we are technically together. He has a dairy farm of his own, um, and he hasn't been going really well. He's got no water left and no feed left and we tried to sell the whole herd and because everybody is a little in the same sort of position, they weren't able to take them. Um, so we've had to, Bill's had to keep going on his own and he supports his elderly mother out there at the farm and the kids and I go and stay out there and help him when we can and... So he's a lovely bloke. I don't know where it will all go. but
0: Well, that's good. At least you found somebody who you who understands how hard your yeah. work is.
1: Yeah, we definitely, we definitely have common interests, and his kids are all grown up and um, moved out of home and having their own family. So he sort of stuck with me and two little kids. I'm not sure he thinks he's in his... <laughs> Benefit at the moment, but we have some good times and but we've had some pretty stressful times over the last couple of months
0: and. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's. It sounds like everybody's having over there with it with this drought. At least, especially in agriculture, would be.
1: Yeah, and but then that that affects the food production as well. Like, then the food, human food, gets more expensive, and they can't grow the vegetables, and they can't. um, Some of the towns out here are like quite big. Rural community towns. Um, this one out at Stanthorpe, they'll be run out of town water by Christmas. So they're on major water restrictions and they don't know what they'll do. Like, there's thousands of people living in that town. They'll, they're saying it's going to cost a million dollars a day just to supply water. And I don't know whether that town will shut down. Like, there's a lot of businesses and schools and a lot of people out there that are in some serious issues because the water's just not there at now, um, and whether that's climate change or just a really hard season, and it's hard because usually some of the states in America have been getting flooding rains, and we're sort of down under, so we get the polar opposite of what the rest of the world sort of gets,
0: right? And right, and I think a lot, I don't know that people understand how serious it is because I think you just, everyone just kind of thinks of Australia like you said it's just kind of already dry
1: yeah, yeah. no well, we're not we're not only in the centre in the arid and the there's there's a lot of arid places but then it still grows really good pasture and you grow really good cattle and you've got artesian water from the underground bores, so you have that water supply you have a major river system running through those agricultural
0: dry land yeah, crops. But we don't so. see we don't see that in the movies. We we see the the backcountry
1: <laughs> Yeah, the Mad Max like it's dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah so you don't, even, you don't even you don't even we don't even associate rain with Australia. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you don't need rain, do you?
1: <laughs> see and we have a lot of tropical rain for us. Like where it just rains nearly every day. Like where Michael and I are up in Cairns it rains every day. Like, it's just lush green. But then they haven't had the rains for the last couple of years they really needed too. Like, um, sometimes they have seven metres of rain. They've only had three metres this year. Like, wow. it's definitely a dramatic difference all over our country. So, and bushfires then and then it gets so dry, tinder dry, that it just erupts. Like, and then we've had a lot of bushfires in southeast Queensland the last couple of months and lost homes and businesses and just raised to the ground like it's just been horrific so and we're not even in summer we're only just in the first week of spring first weeks of spring now so if we have those really hot dry winds and high temperatures of 44 degrees Celsius then we're in some serious trouble
0: yeah I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think back to last summer um, where you guys were at like you, it seems like you were posting on instagram how hot it was last year it was very hot. it was very
1: hot but i had i had full river access so i had water so i was still able to pump water onto the but yeah those 44 degree days and 40 degrees it's hot like it's draining yeah and and then we have this we oh especially up the northern territory and you have this thing, the tropper, it just gets too hot. Your brain starts to melt and you, people just go off tap, like go a
0: bit crazy. <laughs> I can imagine.
1: Yeah. And then you don't really get any respite at night because it doesn't drop below 20 degrees. You can still go to bed at 30 degrees and you're sweating your guts out. Like, So usually they are only for brief periods of time and we have, um, yeah, not looking
0: forward to summer. It's
1: bikinis and shorts and sweating. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I hope that you're able to figure out what's going on with why these these cows are getting sick so that you can stop it from spreading.
1: I've got um, my vets on it, and I'm actually sitting out the front of the Department of Primary Industries, and they're testing the water, and I've had all the feed tested, and they're going to send a primary industries guy out to check the paddocks and everything, so I'm going to move them this afternoon, and... Put them in a different paddock on different water and see how that helps and I don't want to lose them one by one so we're we're on it but we're not we're not we haven't found the um, the, the reason yet but I will I won't I won't let them down
0: no I, I, I know you won't and they know you won't I'll I'm hope. sure. How, what are you doing to keep your spirits up because I know there's, there's all this crazy shit going on with you, but I know you, 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 you there's something that you, you're able to dig down to that that allows you to keep your your head in the air.
1: I wake up every day and I'm still breathing, and when I Uh, Every day is a blessing when I when I fought for my life to live with my bowel resection. Every day is a good day. Like, and even if I get anxiety and I get a bit down, and I got dogs and cats. I got the two greatest kids in the world, and they pick me up a lot. And I get lots of hugs and cuddles, and I get up and do it again tomorrow because they're counting on me, and that. Definitely has helped me over the years because when I feel bad, they'll still be waiting behind that gate for me. Like, doesn't matter how I feel, they're still there and they'll give me a lick and someone will sit down and give me a nudge and I know that they know and we're all just trying our best and things could be so much worse that I have my health, I have a great family, I've got a few close friends and a great job and I don't know. You get down You get down every day, and but you get up and you go and have a sleep and eat some sugar. I eat, I eat a lot of
0: sugar. <laughs> That's so. the secret.
1: I like cake. Yeah, I like cake and
0: <laughs> cake and, and ice and I, cream. And I, sm- and,
1: and I smoke cigarettes like a train. So well, um, that sort of hasn't stopped at all, but I am. Um,
0: we all have our vices
1: we all have our vices so just keep going and hope tomorrow will be a better day I have hope I, I have to have hope for the planet and the people and the, that one day that they'll they'll realise there's a better way than destroying it all I think Then, um, so I just I hope that I get to see my kids grow up and get married and have kids and enjoy their life and 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 see the value of the, the one life the one life that you get to make a difference to to something, to anything. So otherwise you're just forgotten and I'm not really noted in anywhere, no one really bothers with me but they remember me. Like right, there's always right, a Right. There's a funny story. So you just keep going, Mark. I don't know. How do I, you do it? I,
0: I, I uh, it, it's it's the same as I just I'm really lucky. I actually feel really lucky. Um, j- just to have the people around me that I have around me, and to know the people that I know. And 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 it's it's just it's you know how you say it's it's your your kids and and them waiting there for you. It's, it, we have a different, a little bit different life you know so um, so my kids aren't necessarily it's not necessarily me coming home to my kids and and being greeted but actually just seeing what they're doing with their lives that I know I know I I got through to them you know what I mean and that's
1: what you think yeah you think as long they did the right thing there and I didn't even have to tell them I'm so proud of them like it was all good yeah
0: yeah yeah, and they're and they're doing things that I always wanted to do, but yeah, didn't have yeah. the energy even. To, you know yeah, what I mean to, yeah, to do.
1: Yeah. but you have beautiful kids, you oh, and Holly. You. So all totes to use and and those be- those three beautiful. Like I miss them. You telling them I send them my love.
0: I will, of course, of course. That that was a. Uh, that was, I think, that was one of those moments that's burned into their brains, yeah. when this this, uh, this stranger from Australia came and stayed at their
1: house. Yeah, we picture the airport. Like, oh my God, look at her! Like, driving <laughs> us to school. She bought all that crap, and we ate cake and pie for days.
0: <laughs> and we did. And then when you left, suddenly it was really quiet, like there was something missing. I
1: shouldn't have gone, really, in hindsight. <laughs> I should
0: have. I, I loved Utah. You.
1: I, I did love Utah, but the way that all turned out, like I, I was hesitant to get on the plane at San Diego, and I was like, oh, I should just blow it off, like he can come and find me. I really <laughs> wanted to say there were so many more things I'd like to see and do with you and Holly, and... Holly still says, when are you coming
0: back? Well, I will. I am. <laughs> she puts it all on you. When are you coming back?
1: When are you coming back? So said, when are you two coming over here? <laughs> I um, know it, sounds I'll will. be back. You, you threaten them with it. She's coming back.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're lucky you moved out of home page because she's coming back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. Too funny. It's been so great catching up with you.
1: It is. It's been lovely to talk to you. Uh,
0: We gotta. We. uh, It seems like we only get to talk when it's for Open Lines Radio. So (laughs) we gotta change that somehow.
1: We will. I'm going to. Oh, I've spoken to Holly. um, Holly and I message each other sometimes, and we'll think of something funny. And she was. um, She was going to make me a voodoo doll and do some fantastic black magic for me. (laughs) Don't know if she got around to it, but oh, things that's... seem to be going well, so I'm counting on it.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like it all it, it turned out. It sounds like you're you're where you, even though it, it seems hard right now, it seems like you're where it seems like everywhere you've been has been where you needed to be at that time, and
1: it is you're like, learning. Back, yeah, you look back, and I I don't regret anything, but and I I think um, I'm definitely I'm definitely lucky and. And I've worked really hard, like, my whole life to be able to give these kids the life that they deserve and they enjoy and that we have this great life together. And I'm like, yeah, it's still worth it. Like, all the hardships, still worth it. Yeah. So um, if they grow up to be great human beings and, and gentlemen and great dads and great husbands and treat people with kindness, then my job here is done.
0: Well, they kind yeah. of get to see you know they got an example of how what not to be and they got a firsthand um and this was this was this was me too this was the, this was the way I learned as well and I've always kind of prided myself on being a good dad and a good husband is that I got to I in my life I learned how I saw what not being that did to me yes but they also yes. see what being like you you know what I mean they get to see the good and the bad so they will be amazing young men. Be amazing men, I'm sure.
1: I, I think so. And they they look at me and they like, I'm only little and I'm only fifty kilos. And they think if mum can do it and she can still have a cry about it and still do it and she does it all on her own and I don't have have help from their dad or they don't have any contact with their dad. So by his choice and by circumstances, but they they see what good family I come from I have a great brother that loves them dearly and my parents and but you still you still have to have that respect and you still have to have that the love and the kindness in your heart but then they they've had to see things that they probably shouldn't have and hadn't didn't shouldn't have had to deal with at such a young age and they wonder why they get attached to people and then someone did something to them and hurt them and like why did they do that I said I don't know like I I don't know why people – we've just got to do the best we can for other people and hope that that'll be enough. So to change part of someone's perception on doing the right thing and being happy and enjoying your life and don't be miserable and we all have bad days but, yeah, life's pretty good. It's a pretty pretty beautiful planet and – Um, we're really lucky to be here, so, yeah, that's all I know.
0: (laughs) That's so awesome. Thank you so much. I know you've got things to get to the bottom of out there on the farm, so I'm going to let you get to the bottom of it, but thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Thank you for having me again. And talking cows, that is my favorite subject. (laughs) Besides lollies and cake, it's all cows, kids and cows. When my ramblin' days are over and my gambling days are through when my ramblin' days are over and my gambling days are through if you tell me that you love me I'll be coming back to you.